Hi, everyone. It's Melinda Garvey with the See It To Be It podcast. This week, we have another great interview with an incredible role model. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the See It To Be It podcast. I am your host, Melinda Garvey. I'm the founder of On The Dot, whose mission is to lead women to success by hearing the stories of other relatable role models. And this week, like every week, we have another amazing role model to bring to you, someone who is just killing it in her field and just excited to talk about her path today. So I'd like to welcome Charlotte Larson. She is a film producer and actor, and we're going to hear all about her journey. So welcome, Charlotte. Thank you. Well, I told her earlier that I was very excited to interview her today because she is a Kiwi, which for those of you who don't know, means you're from New Zealand. And my husband is from New Zealand, and it is truly one of my absolute favorite places on the planet. And people always ask me about New Zealand, and they say, oh, I'm going to go on a trip to Australia and New Zealand, and we're going to spend three weeks in Australia and one week in New Zealand. And I'm like, no, 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 backwards, backwards. (laughs) It's just such an incredible place. So excited to, to have you on the show. Thank you. Yes, I'm excited to talk to you guys. So the first thing I love to do is go way back. So when you were growing up, what was your big dream? What do you think you're going to be doing when you grew up? Well, I always wanted to be an actor. That mm. was my thing. It was, it was slightly strange because I wanted to be either an actor or a biochemist. And I was not good at science. So I was like, okay, well, maybe that's out the window. Yeah, I was in a lot of school plays. I did a little bit of acting throughout school. And then, yeah, that, that kind of kept me going. The, the acting bug kind of stayed with me. It's interesting. And I, you know, I hear this all the time about these completely other ends of the spectrum, you know, acting and biochemistry. What about that when you were little? What excited you about biochemistry? Um, I guess part of it was the experiments we did in the classroom. Dissecting the frogs? <laughs> I was never good at that. I actually stepped out of the room for that. So that was probably a sign. But the chemistry part with, you know, mixing the chemicals together and, you know, making things different colors and making things happen, like smoke coming out of stuff. And I was always very much into that. And I guess that's kind of part of the movie industry as well, because there's a lot of colors and, you know, we have a lot of filters on cameras and lighting and all that kind of really cool technical stuff that makes things look different to what they really are. Yeah. Now that's interesting that you kind of relate that, you know, I hadn't ever thought about it like that before, but there is a lot of science and all that and a lot of technology that you have to sort of understand and have to embrace for that as well. I mean, I can barely figure out how to get this microphone plugged in. (laughs) Oh, I can't either. I'm, I'm a technophobe, but. (laughs) You know, I want to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what you're doing today. You're a producer and, you know, you've got a great resume on that and an actor. I know that you actually moved to LA to kind of pursue your acting a little bit. And why do you think it's important? And you hear about this so much in this day and age about a lot of actors becoming producers or becoming directors and being on both sides of the camera and probably a little bit different about how it used to be. So what do you think is so important about being able to see both sides? Well, I think if you're an actor, I think it's important to know behind the camera. For example, you know, as an actor, there's a lot of setups and you're sitting around doing nothing and you're sitting, you know, in your trailer or craft services or whatever. And they're like, okay, we'll set up for the next scene. And you're sitting there and it can be a long time. There are things that happen that, again, a lot of technical things going on with lighting and camera equipment and so on. There's a lot of rearranging props. There's all that kind of stuff going on. And as an actor, I think if you understand 
the things that could be happening behind the scenes, you get a bit more patient and understanding about why you're sitting there for another hour and why it's taking so long. And you also understand and appreciate also the crew, what their jobs are. So they're not just there to like set up a light. It's, you know, it's a lot more complicated than that. There's a lot more pieces going together that actors don't get to see. So I think if you understand that side, then it really helps you as an actor as well because it calms you down, it makes you more patient, it makes you more understanding. But on the flip side, I think as well, if you're a producer or a director and you understand acting and actors' processes and how people get to do what they do as an actor, then again, like actors can sit around and be like, well, you know, I need this in my dressing room and I need that and I please don't talk to me because I'm, you know, in character. Only this type of M&M, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, that's, that's a little crazy, but you know, some, some actors say, you know, only call me by my character name. And everyone says, oh, that's a bit pretentious. You know, that's being a bit diva. But actually, there's a lot that goes into that. And I think if you understand that, where the actors are coming from, then the relationships build a lot better as well. So I think it's really important to understand both, even if you don't have a deep understanding of either side. I think if you at least appreciate oh, this is what their job is, this is why they need this process to happen, then it makes things run a lot smoother and it makes your job a lot easier. Yeah, very interesting. Well, and of course, you have a long list of, you know, great work and things that you have done, but it's also no secret that you are in a male-dominated industry and with all that comes with that. So I'd love just for you to talk about, you know, any particular challenges that you have had, you know, being a woman in this industry? Have you felt any, you know, particular hurdles or challenges? I think I've been pretty lucky, actually. I think um, a lot of what I do is collaborative across all areas. And yeah, the men in the industry seem to, luckily for me, and you know, I know that there are instances where, you know, things don't work out too well. But I think for me, I've been fairly lucky with being able to do what I do and do it well and work fairly well with other people. It hasn't really been an issue for me that I'm a woman working in this industry. I think I've just been lucky with the people that I have been working with. And so I think that's something that I've been, you know, I've been very fortunate to do. But I also feel that being in a male dominated industry, I think a lot of that is changing. So it's not just me personally, I feel like there's a lot of headway being made for other women and other minorities to be working in this industry as well. I think there's a a long way to go still, but there's, you know, large steps being taken to make things a little bit more easier. I think it's interesting because the whole sort of Me Too movement really came out of the film industry and Mm -hmm. it's pervasive in all kinds of industries. It's not that, but, you know, do you think that some of these new opportunities and sort of this openness for women and minorities has been somewhat a result of kind of bringing some of this stuff to light with the Me Too movement? I think some of it has. I think, though, it's been bubbling for quite a while, women and minorities. And and I think it's not just to do with the film industry, it's societies, you know, as a whole, you know, women and ethnic minorities and, you know, the gay movement and all that stuff, everything is kind of started a while ago. And now it's kind of coming together. And I think that's great. But I think it has been kind of started in the ethers for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that it's interesting because there's now a lot of talk, you know, especially sort of in the corporate world, if you will, about, you know, with this coronavirus pandemic, which we're talking during that time, that some of these sort of diversity and inclusion movements that were so important within companies, you know, are going to get backburnered. I think there's a lot of fear about that. 
and a lot of, you know, what's happening, you know, with women and minorities and movement forward is tied to that. So, you know, there's just a lot of talk about, so how do you continue to push forward and make sure that that happens? And I think that one of the things that I know that you have done is you actually formed the Emerging Artists Trust in New Zealand. So I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about that and why you felt that that was important to start that. I got a degree in film and theater. And when I left, a lot of my friends were making theater and doing it on a very small budget. You know, that's how it tends to be when you're starting out. You know, you don't have studios backing you or anything like that. So trying to make a small film, trying to put on a small play. It was very hard. And I found myself a lot of the time, my friends coming to me, hey, can you help me out? How do we do this? And I realized that it was great to help my friends, but there were also a lot of other people that I didn't know that were in the same situation who potentially didn't know where to go to get any help. So instead of just helping out my friends, I was like, okay, let's see what we can do about making this more open, making this open to people. Because the problem with being an emerging artist is that people don't know you, people don't trust you, people are like, I don't want to give you any money because it's not going to make me money. So I think that was part of it as well. So my friends, I sat down with them and I said, okay, look, what do you need? And so I started the Emerging Artist Trust for that reason. That's awesome. And you started it in New Zealand, in your home country. Mm-hmm. You know, talk a little bit about that. You know, why maybe it was important to start that in your home country, even though now you're living in LA. I was at university. I graduated college. And then, um, you know, so that's where I happened to be. But also the film industry in New Zealand, especially in Wellington, is huge. And so there was a lot of opportunity to work on film, you know, big budget films. We know Lord of the Rings had come out and that had all happened. Other productions were going on. There's a lot of American productions go to New Zealand to shoot. Yes. And this was partly why I started my production company straight out of college as well, because it was like, well, I can get a job at this, you know, start out small. I can, you know, try and get a job with the other 30,000 people who want to work there as well and work on a project and I can work my way up that way. But if you want to make your own work, if you want to start out small, if you don't necessarily want to work on those productions, if you don't necessarily want to make, you know, big budget films straight out because you don't have the experience, or even in theater, if you want to do a small play as an actor, a lot of actors try and make their own work. So I thought it was really important because it supported the film industry at the lower level so that they could grow to be in the film industry at the higher level so that in 10 years time, these people who have been helped can then go on to be working on these bigger productions and make bigger theater productions. And, you know, a lot of Kiwis also, as you know, they end up in America and a lot of them end up in the film industry in LA. So there's a whole team here of people that I know from back home who have started out that way and now are in LA on TV shows or in movies or producing and acting and directing. Well, and it's a great way, I think, to, to your point, to help build a resume in a place where you might not be able to do that. So it allows them to, to build it, you know, and then move on to bigger, not necessarily better, but bigger things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's funny when you talk about some of the big films going to New Zealand. I have friends ask me all the time when they find out something's filmed in New Zealand or certainly Lord of the Rings. They're like, okay, does it really look like that there? And I'm like, it actually does. I mean, yeah, yeah, I know there was some magic and some splicing together, but there was a lot of it that was just kind of like, that's what it looks like. Yeah, it's a very beautiful place. Yes, it is pretty amazing. And I think that always shocks people because you always think there's a whole lot of Hollywood magic, you know, which I'm sure there's some of that, but there's just a lot of just regular magic in New Zealand. Yeah. 
I'd love to kind of just talk about as a female filmmaker, I mean, it sounds like you've been amazing about providing mentorship and guidance, you know, for others kind of coming up and coming alongside you, but where do you go and look for that mentorship? And do you have, you know, other producers, other filmmakers in your industry that you kind of look up to or turn to as a mentor? Yeah, I think starting out, certainly my family's not in the film industry. They're more business, but I graduated college. I started my own production company that's running a business and I had no experience doing that. I kind of threw myself in not having a clue what to do. So, you know, luckily I had them. My family helped me through that side. In the film industry, I just started making connections and I ended up fairly early on getting involved and ended up producing Gloria in Mexico. So I was involved in the early process with that. And that was kind of my big first international film because it wasn't in New Zealand, but also sort of on a bigger scale. Yeah, it was kind of my first step into bigger films. And so a lot of connections from that came. And then now I have a lot of other people that I've met through various connections on that, that I now work with or, you know, would like to work with again. And I can always email those people and say, hey, I have this project, do you want to get involved? Or, hey, I have this question, what do you think? So it's, it's been really great. And I've, that was kind of my first piece of luck that kind of got me into what I do. And so over the years, what's the best piece of advice that you've gotten? Or what's a piece of advice that you kind of is your go-to that you share with others? Yeah, the one that I kind of discovered through my work and everything I've done that I pass on to other people. First of all, when I started out, I was trying to do too much. I was always like, I want this project and this project and this project, and I'm going to get them all done. And I realized that it's great to be eager and, you know, to want to learn and to want to make stuff happen. But you kind of have to sit back and go, okay, which one do I want to focus on first? And that might mean that you lose several opportunities on the way, but the one opportunity you take is the one that's going to work and succeed. So I always say, take it slow. Don't rush. Do one thing at a time. Maybe two if you, you know, once you're a bit more experienced, but one project at a time. And then my other piece of advice I always say is don't rely on coffee to get you through the day because <laughs> you just end up a mess. <laughs> so try, even though we, you know, we work 16, 18 hour days, try and get sleep. Sleep it's is the ultimate day. magic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sleep solves a lot of problems, that is for sure. Yeah, coffee when you have to. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'd love to just kind of do a little speed round as we close up here and just to get to know a little bit more about you personally. So what does your morning routine look like? Um, Well, I'm usually a drag myself out of bed person. But once I'm up, yeah, my first thing is don't do this, but I get coffee. I'm on decaf. A little bit of coffee. I mean, come Uh, on. Yeah. I'm drinking decaf right now, which is interesting. But yeah, I get coffee and then I check my emails and I catch up on Facebook and what's going on in the world. And then, um, yeah, I get into my day. I get onto my computer and get everything I need to be done. Okay. So what are you currently reading or listening to? I am reading a book and it's called Quantum Love. I forget who the author is, but it's about your energy fields and how your quantum energy, how you use that with relationships with other people. I think it's useful for not just like personal relationships, but also you work with a lot of different people in this industry. So I think, you know, if you can get a good relationship going with them, then, you know, that's Mm going to help a lot. Absolutely. What's one thing you can't live without? Well, I would say coffee. (laughs) (laughs) um, I would have to say, and I don't like saying this, but because I try to be off it as much as possible, but my phone. Mm. Yeah. Emails, phone calls, it's kind of everything 
right there. Gosh, I mean, it really is just with this lockdown, you know, and I know a lot of people have like issues with their hands and stuff just from Mm -hmm. being on your phone and typing all the time. Mm -hmm. But not going out to meetings, I feel like I'm on my phone so much more. I literally am feeling it in my hands. Yeah. Yes, it's definitely been kind of crazy. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing with us. And of course, we love to know, like, where can we find out what you're doing next in your next film? Where can our listeners find you? I do have a Facebook page, so you can look me up there. And I have a Twitter, which is official C-H-A-R-L-A-R, Charlar. Yeah, Charlotte Larson was too long to fit in the Twitter handle, so (laughs) I had to cut it down a little. Charlar, but you can find me there as well. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, we definitely will be watching what you do and looking at those credits at the end of films to see what you're doing next. So really appreciate you joining and sharing with us today. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week and check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at On The Dot Woman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.